Love it. Worship. So good. It just revives you, refreshes you. There is nothing like it on this planet, is there? It's literally from heaven above. It's oxygen. It's heavenly oxygen. It's so awesome. Hey, I'm, I'm super happy to be here today because I get to spend every Sunday with my Silverwater family, but I don't get to spend every Sunday with my, um, my earthly family. I've got my sister who's just walked in the door. Let's give her a bit of Silverwater love. She's so beautiful. This is my younger sister. Seeing as you're walking, why don't you come right down here? Come here. Come on. Come on, my beautiful younger sister. Uh-oh, if you give her a mic, she is also a preacher, so watch out. So um, we're 18 months apart. I've got two sisters. I'm the middle one. I'm the peacekeeper. The tall one. I got all, yeah. I do, I got all the height genes. It's, it's kind of odd, isn't it? Like the rest of the family are all literally a head shorter than me. I took all the height genes, but not all the speaking genes. My younger sister is a gun preacher as well, truly, and a great youth leader in country South Australia where she's doing a great work with her, her husband and family there. And I'm super excited because um, actually... Those of you that were at um, our Every Woman Night One, or the girls, remember I told a little bit of my sister's story. This is that sister, my younger sister, um, walking with a bit of a thorn in your side, but learning how to dance in the rain, in your own words. And I've asked her to come to our September gathering and tell a bit of her story. Won't that be beautiful, just to hear from her, straight from her, out of her heart? So that's going to be amazing. So that's coming up in September. So you, you'll hear more. But it's nice to put a face to a name, isn't it? And this is that beautiful sister who's going to come. Isn't she gorgeous? <laughs> so speaking of every woman, uh, I just wanted to flag, save the date, 29th of July, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock in the studio. We've got a, like a crazy good night coming up that night. Um, really, all I want on those nights is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Is that too much to ask? That really, that's, that's like my number one criteria because I know under an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, every answer, every need is met, every answer is delivered. There's something our soul finds rest in his presence. And, you know, those anxious thoughts, they're just disarmed in his presence under an outpouring, every need that we could possibly have on our human soul, it is satisfied. So we just bring all the elements together for a cracker night for our girls. So the 29th, we've got Gemma Webb coming from Port Stephens. She's a pastor. She's written a book about the promises of God, and she's going to come and um, present her book and tell her story. We've got Erica Croxford coming from Newcastle, C3. She's going to bring a worship experience with Kathy on the night, which is just going to be heavenly. Um, and we've got Louder Clothing, so a little bit of shopping for the girls. They'll literally, there'll be EPs, there'll be books, and there'll be clothes available. available. So, gentlemen, brace yourselves. You may take a hit to the bank account on this particular night, but they'll come home happy, and a happy wife is a happy life. Isn't that the truth? So, um, this is what I'm doing, ladies. I'm circling, the because this is a little calendar on your seat. You'll see them there, the Every Woman calendars. What I do is I circle the date of the upcoming event, and I hand it to my girlfriend like I did my new friend over here with your little boys. Just a couple Sundays ago, I saw my friend. It's Jody, isn't it? I saw Jody, and I circled the date. I put my name and number on the bottom. I gave it to Jody, and I said, Jody, if you can come. Um, it, by the way, that's my sister who's going on the same cruise as you. These guys are going on a cruise. How weird is that? Connections right there. Maybe you can hang out poolside on that. That's why my sister's in town. She's going on a cruise. Obviously, God really likes her. 
So I put my name and number on the bottom. I gave it to Jodie, and I said, Jodie, if you can make it, text me, and I'll save a seat for you. And I just gave her the invitation. Girls, can we just be doing that as we lead up to these nights? Extend the invitation. Let it be personal. Everybody needs to be hosted. If you knew somewhere, there's nothing worse than walking into a room and not knowing anybody. But if someone saves you a seat, meets you at the door, picks you up, it just removes all the obstacles, doesn't it? So let's all come together. It's going to be a great night. Cheers, everyone. So that's happening. All right, Psalm 23. Who is loving the study of, um, of Psalm 23? What a divine word in season. I am loving it. It's so refreshing. I, I think it's always current, but there's something about the middle of the year, isn't there? We just, you're coming, you, you know, you, you're working you're in the middle of the year. You've kind of got your rhythm, but uh, you know, you're feeling the, the load and the responsibilities and this and that. And to come around the psalm, I just find it so refreshing and strengthening. And um, I'm loving unpackaging this so far. So Psalm 23.3 is where we find ourselves today. And it says, He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. What a beautiful piece of scripture. What's interesting here is I see that restoration precedes the path of righteousness. I believe he does a work in us where he restores us, breathes life into us, sets us free, takes us gently in his hands, and then he sets us on a path of life, doesn't he? He sets us on a path of righteousness, which is upright, which is about strengthening and safeguarding and, and maturing, isn't it, that path of righteousness? And I'm going to kind of unpackage righteousness here today. In fact, um, I'm, I've kind of found myself doing a little study of righteousness. Would you like to hear about that today? Has anybody done a study of righteousness before? I'm thinking Z, our, our Bible college um, head lecturer. You would have done a study of righteousness. Anyone else here before done an actual study of righteousness? I, I can say this is my first one, but I'm really loving it. But first, restoration precedes the path of righteousness. He restores my soul. I, we all have a story of restoration, do we not? Like that is what brought us to this place here today. I think one of my favourite stories of restoration would have to be Peter. <laughs> he's just like, he's that big, gregarious, natural-born leader that every now and then found himself with a foot in the mouth, didn't he? Like he's just so beautiful and lovable. But I love this story, Matthew 26, 33. Peter declared, if everyone else deserves you, I won't. He made that massive declaration, didn't he? Big, typical Peter declaration. And then in the next verse, 34, Jesus tells him that this very night before the cock crows at dawn, you will deny me three times. Jesus knew Peter. They walked together. He knew him inside out. He knew that he wouldn't have the backbone under the heat of that test to stand up and represent him. He knew that about him. He told him. I sometimes wonder, why did you tell him, Lord, before it happened? Obviously, it was to illuminate it to him and to bring those words back to remembrance. But Jesus knew his, his brother Peter, didn't he? He knew him inside out. Now, Jesus heals Peter later on the shores of Lake Galilee when he asked him three times, do you love me more than these? He actually, they meet together again after so much has passed. He looks him in the face and he begins to restore his soul because 
Peter has fallen from a great height. He is humiliated. He is despondent. He, has t- he's a, he's a, he wants to be loyal, but he has fled. At the most testing moment, he's abandoned his saviour, the one who he would rather give his life for. He wants to be the one that gives his life for his saviour, but he's got that fickle human nature that undermined him in the last moment. And, but what's beautiful here is Jesus begins to lead him into restoration. He, he asks Peter this question, do you love me more than these? He actually asks him three times. He begins to lead him in a confession. There is a great power in confession when we begin to speak uh, words that God gives us. As we speak them, they actually begin to recover and to restore our soul. And as he speaks that confession, he makes that confession that he loves Jesus. He makes that confession that he's going to give. And it's like it begins to restore that 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 weak part of who Peter was. It changes who Peter was in that moment. Peter's confession that he does love Jesus provokes a, commis- a commissioning from the Lord. This is powerful. Then the commissioning goes forward, feed, tend, care for, lead my sheep. Isn't that powerful that he literally took Peter up out of the, out of the dust. He picked him up out of the dust, out of his, that humble, broken, desperate moment and he begins to commission him out of that place. He tells him then there's something about brokenness and humility that actually is the very platform from which God can do something profound in our life. I just know that he needs us at that base place so that he can lift us up so that we're not striving in our human strength and functions, that there's something that's completely reliant on the person of Jesus Christ. Isn't this how he works? This is so who he is. Our greatest callings can come out of our greatest failures. Thank God for that. Hashtag that. Isn't it a good day? Our greatest callings can come out of our greatest failures. The Lord said of Peter later, on this rock I will build my church. And you know, he, he made that because again, he knew who Peter was. He knew who his restored Peter was. He knew what he could do. He may not have passed the first test, but out of that brokenness, out of that, that restoring, he was ready for the next. He was literally ready to carry the church on his shoulders. You know, friends, if you failed once, it's not all over. Dear friends, if you fail once, it's not all over. He is the God of the second chance. He literally picked Peter up. He literally set his feet. He said, you will be the rock. And there was a new backbone that entered Peter from that point, from that brokenness and the restoration. There was a backbone that came into him. He was a new man. He was a restored man. And I'm, I'm believing that even out of our brokenness that God can impart strength into those vulnerable places so that we can represent him well in this world. Who knows that this world needs a few Peters, right? He needs a few Peters. It's actually the only way that heaven will be represented on earth is through Peters, through people like you and me that are flawed and broken but have found their hands, ourselves, in the hands of a restoring Savior. Amen? Amen. You know, I'm getting good at feeling okay at not having it all together. I just, to be honest, Maybe you think when we get up here, we look like a well-oiled machine. I don't know what you think. My sister, had we had this little conversation coming in this morning, and, and she looked at me and said, like, you know, how are you doing? How, how's things coming together here this morning? And I didn't say anything. And she sort of went on to joke, oh, I'm sure it's all going to be perfect or whatever. And, um, and I, actually, I said, in, in my head, this is what I was thinking when she was talking to me. This is what I always think. Um, 
you're never quite, you're never completely ready. I'm not waiting for perfect conditions. I don't, I can't wait for perfect conditions. It's never going to be perfect. I've just got to be okay with imperfect conditions. To be honest, when I look at what I have prepared to speak, many times I think, Lord, is this really enough? Is this really enough? Uh, but he, he fills the gaps and he brings it together. And by his Holy Spirit, the great interpreter, he draws out the gold, even in the midst of our you know, imperfections, he will do something stunning with our lives. If we would hand them over like Peter did in that moment, if we'll hand them over to the great restorer. Come on, let's thank Jesus in this place today. (laughs) Peter fell from a great height, but he got himself feet on the rock. He got a second chance. Amen. And just like Peter did, we can build the church in the same way. God will use us too. Amen. We're in good company here today. So I wanted to say that um, he restores the soul because I think it's really important to preface the pathway of righteousness with that because otherwise it could get really hard-lined all of a sudden when we're talking about righteousness. I don't know. It just makes me think something militant. It's kind of a, it's an upright word, isn't it? But you've got to know that God does that work first. He does the restoring first and then he sets our on a path of righteousness. It's really important to know that. Now, as I was, um, the first psalm that I ever read in about year one was Psalm 1. Can you remember the first psalm that you ever learned? I don't know, think back. I'm blessed to have grown up in the house of God. I thank my parents for it. And they sent me to this little um, Christian school that was just kind of getting it some, getting started. And I, I remember that little school and I remember the first psalm that I read that I learnt as a little girl. And it's fun now because my nine-year-old is starting to learn the psalms herself and starting to pick out her favourite psalms. I feel like time's repeating itself. But there's something really special about those first psalms because you kind of identify it with that part of your life. So Psalm 1 is interesting because it's called the preface psalm because in some respects it may be considered the text upon which the whole of the psalms make, makes up a divine sermon. And it's really... Uh, For me, it describes the path of righteousness, so I wanted to read it here today, because sometimes it's nice to see what that path would actually look like. It says in Psalms 1, and I'm just going to read through to 3, Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable is the man who walks and lives, not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice and their plans and purposes. He knows it's important whose plans and advice and purposes that you follow nor stands submissive and inactive in the paths where sinners walk. Who knows sometimes if you stand submissive and inactive, even if you're not active in a place, if you're submissive and inactive in a place of sinners, that's not helping you either. Like there's actually a point we need to lift up our voice or we need to eliminate ourselves from the scene because we do get affected. Nor sits down to rest and relax where the scornful and the mockers gather. We're not meant to sit in those places. We're not meant to relax. We're not meant to get familiar with those places. But his delight and desires are in the law of the Lord. On his law, the precepts, the instructions, the teachings of God, he habitually meditates, ponders and studies by day and by night. And he shall be like a tree, firmly planted and tended by the streams of water, ready to bring forth its fruit in season. Its leaf also shall not fade or wither, and everything he does shall prosper and come to maturity. Isn't that awesome? When we're planted by the streams, when we're walking the path of righteousness, we come to maturity. That I really like. Uh, Because I believe that's what we're meant to spend our life doing, is actually coming to maturity, isn't it? Is um, growing up into uh, a more Christ-like 
growing up into our greater selves. That's what we're spending this life doing. That's what maturity looks like. Now, what I love about um, in this study of righteousness and the main thing that I realised in studying righteousness is that the Good Shepherd leads us to places of peace. That's what I'm seeing in the scriptures. He leads us beside those still waters. He restores my soul. The path of righteousness is for the purpose of our peace. That's actually why we walk on that path. Many times, I don't know, we would like to think these rules and regulations and restrictions are, are there. I don't know why we think they're there, but they're truly for that our soul would flourish. They're actually there so that we would truly know peace. When we walk within those confines, we find rest and peace in that place. It's a good place. I'm going to celebrate it a little bit here today because, you know, we, I don't know, the world is all about free living and no boundaries or parameters or whatever, but look at the damage that that does. On the other hand, our good and gracious and caring and loving Father places these parameters around us and it's for the purpose of our peace. And who knows that peace is one of the highest commodities on this planet right now. Truly, it's one of the hardest things to get a hold of and maintain on the inside of us. But he shows us how on the path of righteousness. So who's a little bit more interested now in that path of righteousness? It's for the purpose of our peace. Now, I've always had some, you know, strong convictions. I've got a pretty black and white um, conscience. And even as a little girl, when I'd lie down to rest at night, if there was something burdening my heart that I'd that maybe I had, didn't sit well with me or maybe I haven't, hadn't done right. I just remember sitting with my dad on the end of the bed. Sometimes I'd make him sit there for what felt like five minutes in silence whilst I worked up the courage to make my confession. But I had to get it off my chest. And I'm still like that today. If there's a little niggling thing, if there's a little rock, a little pebble in my shoe that I don't quite feel right with, if it's in a relationship, I kind of need to get face to face, wrestle it out, and then I can sleep at night. But therefore, I can sleep at night because I, I deal with those things. I don't, I don't put them in a cupboard. I don't sweep them under my bed. I actually give them attention because it, it wor it's, it's worth it, right? Because relationships then get set free and mobilized and they're healthy. The path of righteousness looks like a lot of maintenance, actually. On relationships and it's you know it's interesting my little girl Sienna I would say is totally the same she's got a strong um, conscience and when she lies down to rest at night it's funny how time repeats itself now we do the same thing so I sit down on her bed actually many times she likes me to lie down with her and we have this little debrief at the end of the day we talk about our high and our low so we actually have to comment what was your high point what was your low point and then I've normally got to wait there a few minutes so that she can just offload the burdens of her heart and I allow that moment of confession because I know ultimately it's for her peace if she can confess whatever's bothering her then she will be at peace and she will sleep well at night and she is female so she needs to talk these things out just intuitively and it's funny, I remember doing the same thing with my dad and he would just sit. He showed me how, I realise now, he showed me how to help, help my child confess. It's just to give room so that they feel safe, so that they can tell the burden that's on their heart. I want my child to confess with me. I don't want them to go to a girlfriend. I don't know what kind of crazy advice they're going to get out there. I want her to come to me, the safe place, so that she can be set free, so that I can show her the paths of righteousness together. Amen? It's beautiful. You know, confession, I feel like it's gone out of fashion or something. 
but it's incredibly liberating. We, we, we can confess the burdens that are on our heart. And freedom comes when we speak those things out and we get them out of our system and bring them into the light. It's so powerful. Proverbs one twenty three says, If you will turn, repent, and give heed to my reproof, behold, I wisdom... How interesting is this? Wisdom here is personified in that moment of confession. If you will turn, repent, and give heed to my reproof, behold, I, wisdom, will pour out my spirit upon you. I will make my words known to you. Repentance is a great exchange. In that great exchange, as I confess my issue, wisdom is poured over us. Enlightening comes. Understanding comes. Actually, when we we get out from underneath that deception and that cloud and we actually speak what it is, then there's this light bulb moment. It's like we see things for the first time. It's incredibly powerful. I, I would love to believe that this altar is a great place of confession where people come and they confess their salvation for the first time, where they can come and they confess the things that have got them bound up on the inside. What's the point of coming into the house of God if you don't taste of the freedom that this house is about? Truly. And within our connect groups and those safe places, those appropriate relationships, that confession and accountability could come, that we could be led on a path of righteousness. We do it together. We're all, we're all flawed. We're all on a journey, but we can, we can help one another, can't we, on this path of righteousness. I thank God for the family of, of the house of God. It's, I thank God for it. You know, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity says, a Christian is not someone who never goes wrong, but one who is enabled to repent and pick himself up and begin again because the Christ life is inside of him. So the advantage that we have is that we're enabled to repent because we're in Christ. The door's there, that door of confession, it's right there. We can step through it. We're enabled to repent and pick himself up again because the Christ life is inside of him. Let me read some great scriptures about how we can fall over but get up again and they will buy Christ on the inside of us. You ready to be encouraged? Here we go. Proverbs 24, 16. For a righteous man falls seven times and rises again. When the righteous fall, they rise again. Friends, we rise again. Psalm 34, 19, many evils confront the consistently righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Amen? Amen. Here's another cracker. Are you ready? I've, I've only got the best for you, Silverwater. Psalm 37, 24, though he falls, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord grasps his hand in support and upholds him. Amen? Oh, thank you, Lord. He's so good. Who else has a God that literally takes a hold of us by the hand and upholds us when we fall? Who else can say that? Who else out there? I defy any other God that thinks that they can do that. We have such a loving God and a relational God that will literally come down. He stoops down to where we are. He takes a hold of our hand and he lifts us up. Amen? He's so good. He's so kind. Amen. So I want to look just really quickly at six qualities of righteousness that I found whilst I was um, digging through my Bible these last few weeks. Do you want to hear some? Annie Palmer, do you want to hear some? I feel like you do over there. So let's go. Number one, the path of righteousness, the narrow gate. It's as the narrow gate. I'm just finding, because I want to see the path of righteousness. I want it to be described for me. So I've been looking through the word to find it. And here in Matthew 7, 13, it says, enter through the narrow gate. 
for wide is the gate and spacious and broad is the way that leads away to destruction and many are those who are entering through it. But the gate is narrow, contracted by pressure and the way is straightened and compressed that leads away to life and few are those who find it. The gate is narrow, contracted by pressure. That doesn't sound like fun. It doesn't sound like fun, but like I said, you've got, you've got that broad, wide open, no parameters, no safeguard. You've got that option, that crazy place out there, or you've got the narrow gate, which the good father sets aside for us. He, he positions that narrow gate, and it may be um, contracted by pressure, but that's because under the test, under the, under the pressure, under the heat, the impurities, the, um, the wrong thinking, it gets ejected from our system in that place. That's why he has this narrow gate and this contracted place of pressure. It's actually in the heat that the best of us comes out, isn't it true? Our best selves evolve out under the contracted pressure. Uh, I know in my humanity, I would, I would love to sit on the couch and eat popcorn for the rest of my life. It's easy. It's an easy place. It's a wide, open, spacious place. But there's something in me, there's something in my spirit that doesn't just want to be that ordinary person sitting on the lounge for the rest of my life. There's something in me that even though I despise the test of that contracted, pressurised place, completely desires it because I don't want to be the same. I, I want the path of righteousness. It's killing me, but I want the path of righteousness. So I got myself a personal trainer lately. Who knows that's a really terrible idea. Rhonda Sabat, you should have advised me. Where were you in that moment? Has anybody ever been to a personal trainer? Daniel, where are you? I saw you. Daniel, the personal trainer. I thought he were here today. Where is he? He was Maybe he's with his little girl. Is he there? It's good. He's left the room so I can talk about personal trainers as I would like to. I've, I've you know, dance background, Pilates, it's all really gentle and stuff. And then I went to a personal trainer and got the, the, the fright of my life. Like, she did this crazy leg set with me, these press things. I don't know any of the technical terms, these press things, where I was pressing, it felt like I was pressing more than I actually am made up of. I'm not very heavy, so it wasn't hard. Pressing this plate thing. And we did that. And then she made me run the stairs, like, straight after. Like, my legs, uh, they were so jelly. And I'm, I'm running the stairs, and I was thinking to myself, I really need Leon Chameleon here right now, or Mix about to come and hold my hand like they let me do on Sundays when I walk up the stairs. Because I literally thought I'm going to fall over and if I was in church people would think it was the Holy Spirit but no I'm at the gym right now and I don't have control of my legs so I was literally wobbling all over the place and she wouldn't let me hold the handrail she was like nasty personal trainer person and I really needed to because I was almost going to fall over into it and I kept sort of telling her and like she was telling me to run but I'm not kidding this was my running that was all I was physically capable of I could hardly do I was so worn out she I had a little tiny drink bottle like, which is ridiculous. How heavy is a drink bottle? This is so soft, but I was so smashed from the workout, I couldn't even carry my drink bottle. It would like, it would just, that would happen. I'd try and pick it up and I'd try and be poised and stuff. And like, my arm is just not working anymore. I'm sorry, I can't do that. But my personal trainer, as I was doing it, she was telling me that um, what happens is the mind tries to conserve energy and so it sends off these signals that you can only work so hard, you can only go so far. And that's why, you know, when we come into the gym, if you don't have a PT, you just do your little presses, nice and conservative, really lame, really soft. And that's why you need the PT who can, can make an assessment 
assessment from the outside, look at who you are, what you're capable of, and call out your greater self. And that's what the path of righteousness does. When we're restricted under pressure, under the voice of the great coach, the shepherd himself, chief shepherd, greatest coach ever, he calls out our greater self. Even though there's something in us that's like, I'm not physically capable of this right now, he gets past those mental blockages and there's something on the inside of us that ignites a truth on the inside of us. He calls us out. He, he calls out our greater self because otherwise we would sit under these lame little benchmarks, wouldn't we? But we are capable of so much more under the coach of the Good Shepherd. You know, capacity is born in us in his presence and in his word, in the company of the Good Shepherd. He calls out our greater self. Sometimes I walk around, I'm like, You've been with the Good Shepherd. I can tell. You have gone to a whole other level. There's a new capacity in you. There's a new strength in you. I just see it on people when I'm walking. Oh, hello. Somebody has been with the Good Shepherd over there. I can see it. There's a power. There's a strength that cannot be produced from our own human um, capacity. It, it can't be produced any other way than by being in the company of the Good Shepherd, under the training of the Good Shepherd, the one that calls out our greater self, the one that sets us free and, and pulls off and plucks out those things that are not meant to exist on the inside of us. Who wants to go to PT with the Good Shepherd? Who's a little bit tempted here today? Lean in. Okay, number two, righteousness produces peace. And I've, I've touched on this. Proverbs 11, 2. When swelling, ah, you know what? It's another great scripture. When swelling and pride come, then emptiness and shame come also. But with the humble, those who are lowly, who have been pruned or chiseled by trial and renounced self and skillful and godly wisdom and soundness. What an amazing scripture. I love the second half. Those who are lowly have been pruned or chiseled by trial. Same thing. Out of what comes out of that place of being pruned or chiseled by trial is a skillful and godly wisdom and soundness, soundness, peace, health, sound mind. What an amazing um, consequence of going through the pruning and the trial. It's amazing, right? Righteousness literally produces soundness in us. That test literally produces soundness in us, Is this, as the scripture tells us. The world can't produce godly wisdom and soundness. It only comes from one. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And I'm just going to drill through these um, real fast. But I just know the person with a clear conscience has a calm heart. When we walk in righteousness, when we know that soundness, we have a calm heart, don't we? It's like all those distractions and burdens and they just don't exist. We lie down to sleep and rest well at night. Number three, we are clothed in righteousness. Number four, we are added to in the pursuit of righteousness. I mean, the Bible says... Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and they shall be satisfied. We will be completely satisfied as we pursue righteousness. Number five says the Lord shields the righteous. What a strong position to find ourselves in. He's a shield to those who walk uprightly and integrity. He preserves the way of his saints. He's so good. Number six is in Christ we become the righteousness of God. OMG. It's just phenomenal. We literally become the righteousness of God. Oh, Psalm 23, 3, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, for his name's sake. And I just want to finish on that here this morning. What a profound privilege to have his name anywhere near us. But he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
because people see him in our transformed lives. They, they, they recognize him. They recognize the sound of his voice. There's something different coming out of our lives and it literally draws them to him. We are walking invitations to Christ. We are representatives of Christ. There's something in our life that cannot be found anywhere else in the world in order for people to find him. We are literally like magnets drawing them to Christ because he's alive on the inside of us because we are a transformed life. People will see him in our lives. They'll hear him. Something different comes out of our hearts. Something different comes out in those conversations because Christ is alive on the inside of us. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven and this world will see him and they will know him. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you just close your eyes right across the auditorium this morning? Lord, I just thank you that you show us that path of righteousness, that way of life, so that we would know peace. That is why you lead us there. Not for our lack, but for our gain. So right across this auditorium here today, I just want to ask in this moment, if you're seated in this room today and you would like an invitation to that path of righteousness, to that way of life, which really is about a person, his name is Jesus. And that path of righteousness, that place of restoration, it begins in knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Saviour, knowing him for ourselves aside from the person on the left or the right, knowing him for ourselves. This morning, I want to pray, if you're seated in this place today and you've never prayed a prayer that says, Jesus, come into my heart, be my Lord, be my Saviour, I need you. I want to walk on that path of life. Show me that path of life. If you need me to pray that here with you today, in a moment, I'm going to pray with you. Or maybe you've drifted, you've got entangled, you've fallen off that path. You've got caught up in the stuff of life and you're not where you need to be. Your soul is not sure of how you are in Christ and what your future looks like and you need to be sure here today. If you've never prayed before, if you want to pray today to get back on the same page, I want to pray with you here today. Or if for whatever reason you just know you need to take a hold of Christ today, take a hold of that path of life. And walk with him today. Walk boldly into your future. In just a moment, in just a simple but powerful prayer, you can get set on that course of life. All he wants is to be in relationship with you. To get a hold of you. To walk with you. So right across this place, wherever you're seated here today, I want you to consider in your heart and know in your heart, it's not about me, it's completely about you and how you stand before Jesus Christ here today. I want to extend an opportunity for you to pray. So right where you're seated, if you've never prayed before, you need to pray today. I want you to lift your hand up nice and high and I'll see where you are. I'll see your hand and I'll pray with you here today. Just lift it up. If you're unsure, throw off, throw off any resistance, throw off any any, just take a hold of it here today. Lift your hand up nice and high and I'll see you in this place today and pray with you that you would know that peace, that you'd know that confidence. 
Jesus, Prince of Peace, Jesus, right here. Hello. Have you prayed a prayer to ask Jesus into your heart? You've done that before? Yeah? You sure? Anyone here with Kareem today? No. That's good. All right, friends, let's stand. Stand in the presence of God here today. Why don't you lift your hands in his presence here this morning? Lord, we just thank you that you are the great restorer, that you lead us in paths of righteousness. Lord, that we would, so we would know peace, true peace, peace that the world can't produce, peace that comes only from heaven above. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for new measures of peace on the people of Silverwater today. I thank you, Lord, one moment in your presence, it disarms any anxious thought. It disarms the weight of the burdens of this world. Lord, we just lean into you this morning. We lean into you, Prince of Peace. We take a hold of you here today. We thank you for the path of life. I pray life in abundance for the people of Silverwater. New measures of freedom. New measures of freedom in the people of Silverwater that they would confess and be made whole and be made free. In every part of their life, Lord, nothing would be hidden. No stone would be unturned. That we would know the fullness of life. Peace in our thinking. Peace in our heart. Peace in our households in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, we thank you for the path of life. We thank you for righteousness in Jesus' mighty name. And we lift you up. We magnify you here today. Come on, let's worship him here today. Let's lift his name up in this place. Oh, we magnify you, Jesus, here today. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing Sing hallelujah, we sing. 